0: You are listening to the Sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church, located at 3144 South Home Avenue in Berwyn, Illinois. We invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9 o'clock a.m. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, sometimes the labels that are on our hymnals are really helpful. You know, uh, above every hymn, there's a sort of a genre or season or something like that. You'll see above uh, Jesus Lives the Victories One, there's the Easter label. There's a whole bunch of labels, things like that, that you uh, help us, help me, to find hymns for Sunday morning or tell you what these are about. But sometimes they're not very helpful. Sometimes they end up limiting the way a, a hymn might work. Uh, I think my favorite example of this is the hymn Joy to the World, It's got Christmas above it, but it's actually not a Christmas hymn. The man who wrote it wrote it about the return of Jesus. Not his birth, but the day he comes back to change all of creation. But since then, we only sing it during Christmas time, right? Unfortunately, that limits the way the hymn should be used. And I think sometimes the same thing happens with our Easter hymns. The hymn that we sang today, Jesus Lives, the Victory's Won, shouldn't that be our hymn just about every Sunday, right? Jesus lives, which means we have victory in Jesus over death, the grave, and sin by God's amazing grace. That's what St. Paul is talking about in the reading from 1 Corinthians. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. St. Paul takes great pains to remind us that Jesus' resurrection is real and true. It was an event that happened. The body that was laid in the tomb after he died, it was truly dead. And our Savior was truly alive when he came back from the dead. Body and soul physically alive. Now many people have tried to discredit this story over the years. Um, scholars today do the same. Very frequently there's a... There's a consensus about Jesus that we know he lived, he was around, and he probably died on the cross, but many people doubt that he was actually raised from the dead. And sometimes this even happens in churches where they talk this way. Frequently what happens then is that they try to turn the resurrection from the dead into a metaphor. There's a scene from one of my favorite movies, The Three Amigos. If you haven't seen it, you need to. The Three Amigos is about three actors who pretend to be these, these heroes in uh, westerns, and they're called to the middle of nowhere, Mexico, to fight an actual bad guy named El Guapo. And they eventually get to the point where they're better at it than they should be, uh, and they escape and get to the town with El Wapo's bad guys all coming in to shoot them up. And one of the characters, Lucky Day, stands up and makes a speech. He says, In many ways, everyone has their El Wapo. For some, shyness is their El Wapo. For others, lack of education is their El Wapo. For us, El Wapo is a big, dangerous man who wants to kill us. And as sure as my name is Lucky Day, the people of Santa Poco can defeat their personal El Wapo, who happens to be the actual El Wapo. And we do that with the resurrection. El Wapo, he says, is whatever problem is facing you when actually it was a big guy with guns and lots of men on horses coming to kill them all. When we turn the resurrection into a metaphor, we miss the point. It's not about overcoming challenges. It's not about going from a low state to a high state, figuring out to live a good life. The resurrection is about rising from the dead. That your body, after it is laid in the ground, will come back. And if you miss the physicality the realness of the resurrection, there is no hope. St. Paul says in this very same passage that if Christ was not raised, your faith is in vain, you are still in your sins. And that is why the Gospels take such care to show us that Jesus was raised from the dead. In Luke, we get to see the disciples touching Jesus and he asked for some fish to eat. In in the gospel, other gospels, we see them coming up and he says, touch me, feel me. I am a real person, flesh and blood. In the gospel of Matthew, the, the people fall down and they worship Jesus' feet and they grab it because ghosts in the ancient world didn't have feet. They want us to know that this is real and true. And if you don't have the physical resurrection we don't have salvation and to prove that saint paul puts a list of people that you can talk to 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 remind you that it actually happened he says they appeared to cephas then to the 12 then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep then he appeared to james then to all the apostles last of all as to one untimely born." He appeared also to me. Now he doesn't give this list just to show off that he knows all of these people. The list is there so that he can say to those Corinthians, you don't believe me, go ask them. There were 500 people who saw Jesus. There was Cephas and the Twelve and James and all of these people who saw Jesus' flesh and bones rise from the dead. You're supposed to go ask them if you doubt we actually have a record of that happening itself. There is a man named Ignatius who was a disciple of John. He was born in about 50 AD and died somewhere in the middle of the next century. And he wrote a letter to the Virgin Mary. I want to read it for you because I think it's just so amazing. It's, To Mary, the Christ-bearer, her Ignatius, you ought to strengthen and console me, a neophyte and disciple of your John, From whom I have learned many things about your Jesus, things wondrous to tell, and I am dumbfounded at hearing them. My heart's desire is to be assured about these things that I have heard you, by you who are always so intimately close to Jesus and shared his secrets. Farewell, and let the neophytes who are with me be strengthened in the faith by you, through you and in you. What they do, he writes to Mary and says, is this crazy stuff True. This is what she says, to my beloved fellow disciple Ignatius, this humble handmaid of Jesus Christ, the things you have heard and learned from John are true. Believe them, hold on to them, be steadfast in carrying out your Christian commitment and shape your life and conduct on it. I will come with you to John to visit you and those who are with you. Stand firm and do manfully in the faith. Do not let the hardships of persecution shake you And may your spirit be strong and joyful in God, your salvation. Isn't that cool? That's an example of exactly what Paul is trying to get these people to do. To go to the witnesses, to ask them, is this true? And they say, yes. We saw Jesus die on the cross. We saw him buried. We saw the tomb be closed. And we saw him come back. And who better to answer that question, then marry his mother, who went with him through his whole life, at the foot of the cross, cried outside the tomb, and then saw him after he rose. Now, can you imagine what it would, what, how sad it would be for these witnesses if that resurrection weren't actually true? You see, the guys that St. That Paul lists, they went through some pretty terrible things for this resurrection. The the apostles were all killed, except for John, in uh, in various awful ways for the faith. Um, St. Paul had his head cut off in Rome. Many other Christians were beaten up and stoned and put in prison. And we see the same thing throughout all the years. If this were a lie, if these witnesses were wrong, none of them would have done that. No one dies for a lie. No one says, I know, I've got this great con. We'll pretend that Jesus rose from the dead and we'll get lots of money and fame for it. And then when you stand in front of the lion, you're like, nope. Nope, nope, nope. Right? But these guys, they stuck to it because they knew the promise of the resurrection means real and true life after the grave. This list of guys witnesses to the resurrection, also points us to how this witness is passed on. You'll notice who the important figures are. They're the apostles, the first pastors who witnessed the resurrection and sent that around the world. See, their witness is the, the promise that it happened and was true. They are the men that God charged to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. The first witnesses the ones who walked with Jesus. And the first people who put together the Holy Scriptures, who gathered all the writings together and said, this is what we read, they made sure that it was that witness that was recorded. They made sure that it was the generation of the apostles, the witnesses who walked with Jesus, their words were put into our New Testament. How do we know that? Because there were a bunch of other books that churches were reading at the time. Shepherd of Hermas, the Didache, the Epistle of Barnas, the Letters of Clement, all of these were being read in worship, but they didn't come get into the Bible because they wanted the witness of the men who were there, who saw Jesus, who watched him, who touched him, who saw him ascend into heaven. And that witness... That's preserved for us. To remind us that Jesus is alive. He lives the victories won. And God establishes men in the same office to bring that news to you. Your pastors. Pastors around the world who are especially trained in delivering what's been handed down. And that's what St. Paul says about this gospel. Is that... What I receive from the Lord, I also give to you. That's not quite how it says. Um, for I deliver to you as first importance what I also received. Right? Is that St. Paul also received the witness and passed it on. And that's our job in the church to receive this witness, to understand it, to mull it over, to, to apply it to our lives and pass it on individually and through the ministry of the church. Because this resurrection is the heart of the gospel, the promise that we need to hear and to learn every Sunday and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church. For more information about getting involved, please visit concordiaberwin.org. Like us on Facebook at Concordia Lutheran Church and Little Land.